Welcome to A.T. Stewart and Sons Ministries. I'm your host, A.T. Stewart. I'm glad you've chosen to join us today as we look into the Word of God. So take your Bibles and let's hang out in God's Word for a few moments and see what God would say to us today. There's only one way to get through times like this. That is to behold the Sovereign Lord Jesus. You've been reading in Revelation this past week, and uh, you may not have noticed, but periodically, John gives us a view, a glimpse of the Sovereign Lord. In this book that deals with some horrendous future events, when human history will be experiencing the greatest trauma, the greatest catastrophic calamities that it has ever known. John gives us, periodically, a pause in the action to show us the Lord Jesus. We saw this happen, first of all, in chapter 7 of Revelation. We saw the throne and we saw the Lord. Here, after the six trumpets have sounded, we see again in chapter 10, the Lord. After that, 200 million hosts of demonic forces are released and they kill a third of the world's population. Over a billion people. After a media falls into the ocean and a third of the waters of the seas are turned blood, we again in chapter 10 are directed to the Sovereign Lord. John is saying to me and to you, as to these saints of the tribulation days in the future, when we find ourselves in a situation that is unbearable, that is tragic, that is catastrophic to us and our being, we must see the Lord Jesus. He is the one that we need to behold. And I appreciate the way the Lord led Homer to deal with songs that had to do with seeing Jesus. Beholding the Lord. God put this together. In in Revelation 10, beginning in verse 1, I saw another strong angel coming down out of heaven, clothed with a cloud, and the rainbow was upon his head, and his face was like the sun, and his feet like pillars of fire. And he had in his hand a little book, which was open. He placed his right foot on the sea and his left foot on the land. And he cried out with a loud voice, as when a lion roars. And when he had cried out, the seven peals of thunder uttered their voices. When the seven peals of thunder had spoken, I was about to write, and I heard a voice from heaven saying, Seal up the things which the seven peals of thunder have spoken, and do not write them. Here we have a picture of the Sovereign Lord. Now, don't be confused by the term angel. Angel means messenger. John the Baptist is called an angel. But it's translated messenger because it makes more sense to us. And so angelos, which we can translate angel, can also be translated messenger. 
And the Lord Jesus is the messenger that we see in chapter 10. There's no better way to give the believer assurance than to show him the sovereign Lord Jesus. It doesn't matter what time in history a person lives or how difficult and perilous the times are. He can have perfect peace by beholding the sovereign Lord. Isaiah lived in a most difficult time. King Uzziah had just died. The people were a rebellious and apostate people. There was a danger of invading armies. And at this time, God showed him his throne, as we see in chapter 6. I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and exalted. And Isaiah never forgot it. In his time of trial, he saw the Lord God. Ezekiel lived in difficult times. The men and women had been taken into exile in Babylon. They saw the future fall of Jerusalem. And at this perilous time, he also saw the Lord Jesus. In verses 27 and 28. Then I noticed from the appearance of his loins and upward something like glowing metal that looked like fire all around within it. And from the appearance of his loins and downward I saw something like fire. And there was a radiance around him. As the appearance of the rainbow in the clouds on a rainy day, so was the appearance of the surrounding radiance. Such was the appearance of the likeness of the glory of God. When Ezekiel went through his difficult time, God revealed Himself. And that was what He needed to carry Him through. This experience is repeated throughout the Bible when Stephen was being stoned to death. What did he see? The Scripture says, But being full of the Holy Spirit, he gazed intently into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And so it is with you and me. In our times of difficulty and adversity and trials, whatever they might be, we need to see Jesus. We need to pray, Lord, show me Yourself. Father, show me the Lord Jesus. I need to see Him in this situation. I need to see Him in His splendor and His glory and His majesty. That would be a good theme for you and for me for this coming year. See Jesus. See Jesus in every situation, every circumstance, every trial, every difficulty, in every adversity in which you find yourself. Seek to see Jesus. John gives us a description of the Lord Jesus. We have before us an artist's rendition of what John is describing. First, we see the majestic glory and mercy of the Lord Jesus. The Scripture says, He is clothed with a cloud. Now, what does John mean when he speaks of the Lord being clothed with a cloud? He's saying that Christ is ever-present with us. 
You see, I believe this cloud refers to the Shekinah glory cloud of the Old Testament. You remember when Moses went up on Mount Sinai to receive the Ten Commandments from the Lord. He met the Lord of glory, and the Scripture says a cloud covered the mountain. Exodus 24. Then Moses went up to the mountain, and the cloud covered the mountain. And the glory of the Lord rested on Mount Sinai. And the cloud covered it for six days. In seven days he, was, he called to Moses from the cloud. So you see, the cloud represents the presence of the God of glory. The Shekinah glory cloud. When Moses finished the tabernacle that God had instructed him in great detail how to build, because it was to be a shadow of a heavenly tabernacle, the Scripture says when he finished that tabernacle, that the cloud of God's glory descended on that tabernacle to such an extent that everyone had to leave. No one could stand the glory that was there. And from that day on, the cloud remained with the tabernacle as a reminder, as it says. But throughout all their journeys, the cloud of the Lord was on the tabernacle by day. And there was fire in it by night in the sight of all the house of Israel. They didn't have to wonder if God was with them. All they had to do was to look out their tent and see the cloud. And they knew this is the Shekinah glory cloud. That's God. At night they would look out and see the pillow of fire and they would say, that's God. He's with us. John is saying to us when he says Jesus is clothed in a cloud that He is with us no matter what we're going through. That He is with His people. That He will never leave us or forsake us, as it says in Hebrews chapter 13. For He Himself has said, I will never desert you, nor will I ever forsake you. Now, we don't have a cloud. We don't have a pillow of fire. We have something better. We have the witness of the Holy Spirit within us. And I want you to know, and we have the true Word of God that tells us that God will never leave us or forsake us. Regardless of how you might feel or you might not feel, you can base the reality of His presence on His Word, His promise. The Lord is our refuge and strength, a very present help. In time of trouble. He's there. He's with us. And He will not forsake us. Secondly, John describes the Lord Jesus as having a rainbow upon His head. Now this is reminiscent of the emerald rainbow that surrounded the throne that we saw in chapter 4. And that tells us that He is faithful to see us through our adversity. When you think about the rainbow, let's have the next one. You see in chapter 4, as it describes the throne, we have the rainbow there. The emerald rainbow. Now as you think about a rainbow in Scripture, what do you immediately think about? 
In Genesis, a rainbow is mentioned. In Revelation, a rainbow is mentioned. You think that's by accident? That the Bible is encompassed with the rainbow of God? What does a rainbow represent? What did God tell Noah? That He would never again destroy the world with a flood. And He said, a sign of this covenant will be the rainbow, the bow in the sky. The bow reminds us of the faithfulness of God and the mercy of God. We deserve to be destroyed. We're still sinful. But God in His mercy has promised not to destroy the world with a flood again. And He is faithful. And that covenant reminds us of His faithfulness throughout all the generations. And it's very important for people who are going through difficulty and going through trials to remember that God is faithful to see you through that difficulty. It doesn't depend on your strength. If it did, we wouldn't make it through. It depends on His faithfulness. And He is faithful. He will see us through. He will carry us through. And His mercy will be there to help us in our time of need. That's why the writer of Hebrews could say, Draw near to God, to His throne of mercy in your time of need, and you will find grace and mercy to help. Whatever you need, you can find in His throne. He is merciful. He is faithful. The next thing John says, he says, His face is like the sun. He's talking about the greatness of God. And in His greatness, our problems will shrink. In Revelation chapter 1, we saw the Lord Jesus there. And it said His face was like the sun shining in its strength. He's speaking of the majestic glory of God. And that's what John is referring to now. The majestic glory of God. You remember when Jesus was on the Mount of Transfiguration. And His glory shone through His humanity. While He was on earth, His humanity clothed, concealed, the radiance of His glory, but there on the Mount of Transfiguration to encourage His disciples who were getting ready to go through some most difficult times. His glory shone through. And the Scripture says, His face shone like the sun. If we will place our problems, our difficulties, our situation, whatever it might be, however impossible it might seem, if we will place it beside the glory of God, the majesty and greatness of God, it will shrink. Because in comparison to Him, our problem is minute. Though it may seem overwhelming to us, and it may consume us, when it's compared to Him, it is minute. Because He is so much greater than our greatest problem. John next says his feet were as pillars of fire. What's John talking about? Where did we already see a pillar of fire? You remember? Cloud by day, pillar of fire by night. Now, not only did that cloud and that pillar of fire 
remind them of God's presence with them continually. But what else did it do? What other function did it have? You remember? When the cloud would rise and move, they would move. It directed them through their wilderness journey. I believe John is saying to us that the Lord Jesus will direct us through our times of adversity. He will direct us through our difficulties, through our perilous times. He will show us where we are to go. As we see in Exodus 13, the Lord was going before them in a pillar of cloud by day to lead them on the way. And in a pillow of fire by night to give them light, that they might travel by day and by night. Difficulties, adversities, we often describe as the dark night of the soul. When we feel like our soul is being ripped out, when we feel like it is totally dark. The light of Jesus will guide us. When we don't know which way to turn, when we don't know how to respond even, we can be confident as we seek Him, He will direct our path. He will give us direction. James promises. He says, if any man lacks wisdom, and the context of that is some difficulty in trial, and we don't know what to do, we don't know... How to respond. We don't know the best way to go about the situation. We're just blank. We don't know. Count it all joy, brethren, he says, when you encounter various trials and difficulties. And he says, if any man lacks wisdom, let him ask of God. And God will give liberally. He won't hold back. In your time of difficulty and adversity... See the God of glory. See the sovereign Lord Jesus. And seek Him for wisdom and guidance. And He will direct you through that situation. Next, John shows us the saving power of our sovereign Lord. And he had in his hand a little book which was open. Now, you see the scroll that he has in his hand? Now, as you were reading through Revelation, this scroll showed up in chapter 5. And there it was in the hand of God, and no one could open it. And John began to cry and to weep, and, and the angel said, Wait a minute, John, there is one here who can open the scroll. And he saw a lamb as if slain. Jesus. This is the scroll of our salvation, folks. This is the scroll of the redemptive history of God. And Jesus was able to take the scroll and open it because He only and He alone can bring about salvation. And what John is saying to us as the Sovereign Lord is holding this scroll, this redemptive plan for salvation, He is saying that Jesus is working out His perfect plan of salvation for His people. Even though the situation looks perilous and it looks totally out of control, the Antichrist is, is running rampant, war and famine and death and cosmic upheaval, John is saying, hey, don't let that confuse you. Don't let that baffle you. Jesus is still, through all of these things, working out His redemptive plan for His people. 
in your adversity, you may not see and understand, but believe that Jesus is bringing about His redemptive plan in your life and for His people. It's the Romans 8.28 concept that we saw a few weeks ago that God does cause all things to work together for good. According to those that love Him, to those who are called according to His purpose. It doesn't say all things are good. But it does say He causes all things to work together. He can even take the catastrophic things and bring them to work together for good. He alone is the one who has sovereign, saving power. Come to the Lord Jesus to receive the salvation that only He can give. Spiritual salvation. But also who can bring about from the ash heap, He can raise up. He's the God who specializes in bringing life where there's death. And making a river through the desert. He's the God who specializes in making a roadway in the wilderness. When it seems impossible... He is a God of impossibilities. His saving power, look to Him. And then it says, next John shows us the kingly rule of our sovereign Lord. He placed His right foot on the sea and His left foot on the land. Now what does that mean? Well, in the Old Testament days, when a man claimed territory... He'd put his foot on it. Where he placed his feet, he was claiming dominion. It was not uncommon in the old days when the king was defeated that his conqueror would step and put his foot on his neck. A symbol that you are defeated. God told the Israelites in Deuteronomy 11, as Israel was preparing to enter the promised land, He said, every place on which the sole of your foot shall tread shall be yours. He told Joshua the same thing as they were preparing to go in in Joshua 1. Again, it's a concept that where you place your feet, you place dominion as a ruling and reigning king. And when John shows us Jesus with one foot on the sea and one foot on the land, he's saying he is the sovereign king of all. He rules heaven and earth. He rules the lands and the seas. He is the sovereign Lord of lords and King of kings. All is His. It was created by Him and for Him. As we see in Colossians chapter 1, For by Him all things were created both in the heavens and on the earth, visible and invisible. Whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through Him and for Him. God is saying, no matter how awful things on earth might seem, Jesus is still on His throne, ruling and reigning. No matter how bad you may find your situation to be, no matter how helpless you may seem, Jesus is still the sovereign Lord. Behold Jesus. Behold King Jesus. And then lastly, John shows us the supreme sufficiency of the Lord Jesus. In verse 3, And he cried out with a loud voice, as when a lion roars. And when he had cried out, the seven peals of thunder uttered their voices. 
and the seven peals of thunder had spoken, I was about to write, and I heard a voice from heaven saying, Seal up the things which the seven peals of thunder have spoken, and do not write them. Now this is a rather curious picture here. Here the thunder, peals of thunder, give an answer to John to explain what's going on here. And John is about to write down what he's heard. And God says, no, don't write it, John. Don't write it. Now, why would John even mention this if he's not going to tell us what he heard? Why even write that he heard something if he's forbidden from revealing it? I think John is giving us a lesson in the silence. He's telling us that we don't get through our difficulties and adversities and trials through understanding. We think, you know, if I can just understand why, if I can just see what's going on, I can make it through. No. We exist on the promises of God. Not on understanding. This is what God told Job. Job kept saying, if I can just understand why this is happening to me, why I'm going through this. But God never would give him the answer. God never would tell him why. God would just say, who? Look at me, Job. I'm all you need is me. You're not going to find comfort in the answers. You're going to find comfort in me, your sovereign Lord. I'm the God who's in control. Understanding is not the way of peace. Beholding the Lord Jesus. That's the way of peace. Look to your Lord. Find in Him the ever-present God who will direct you, who will sustain you, who will give you wisdom, who is in control. Throw yourself upon Him and say, Lord, I want to behold You. I want to see You. You are what I need at this hour. You. Show me. Open my eyes that I might see Jesus. Let's pray. Father, thank You that Jesus is the answer our deepest need, our greatest adversity, the sovereign Lord Jesus is where we must turn. It is Him we must see. Show us the Lord, high and lifted up, exalted. It's in His name I pray. Amen. We sing our hymn of response. I want to give you an opportunity to respond as the Holy Spirit has dealt with you. If you need to come and accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, we invite you to do that. He is the Sovereign Lord. He is the only one who can save. There is no other name given under heaven whereby men must be saved than Jesus. Will you come to Him today, believing He accomplished everything for your salvation? Maybe as a Christian, you need to just see Jesus in your, prime, in your time of difficulty, in your adversity.